Hey there, future fans! This week, we finally get the cut we want, but not the future we want. This is the week of March 26th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 197 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right 197 so close to 200 next episode i'll announce something regarding episode 200 uh, i promise uh, but for now i'm just gonna keep sticking my head in the sand pretending it's not coming up at any moment well if you remember from last week this is the week we're talking about the justice league snyder cut also known as Zack snyder's justice league because it finally came out and my wife and I decided, you know what, let's just watch it. So we sat down and we watched it. We didn't plan around it because we figured we might keep putting it off if we plan it. Going, okay, today we're going to watch the Snyder Cut and make this big to-do about it. And then like, oh, would you rather just watch two shorter movies instead? So we just sat down, we did it, and the rest is history. Or it will be history after I talk about it on the show. Well, let me tell you what it is this show is about, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome. If you're not new, welcome back. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. And on the show, we do a couple things. We talk about news and trailers. That's any new news and new trailers that caught my eye since the last episode. We then talk about all the movies coming to streaming uh, until the country completely opens back up again, I will not talk about movies coming out only in theaters. I will only discuss streaming. And then I go over usually two movies that I watched on streaming that you too can watch. I prep you the week before so you can play along at home if you want. But this week it's only one since we're doing the four hour and two minute Justice League movie. If you did notice the episode name, yes, I do think I'm clever. Thank you very much. Well, my future friends, without further ado, let us jump right into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Well, my future friends, this first story comes to us from BGR, and it is just rumors, so make sure you take it with a grain of salt, but like we've learned when it comes to comic book movies, especially comic book movies, especially Marvel comic book movies, we need to remember that sometimes these rumors are quite true, and this one is regarding the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. As a lot of you know, some people have been really keen, including me, on John Krasinski and Emily Blunt playing Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman, Reed Richards and Sue Storm, and this article from a Chris Smith says that apparently, yes, they are in talks, both of them, but talks with Emily Blunt have broken down because apparently she is not keen on the multi-film deal she would have to sign. But apparently, apparently John Krasinski is still in talks. 
Hopefully these are just rumors and Emily Blunt is still in talks. But you know what? As long as they don't do some sort of awful casting like they did with the last one, I'll be happy. Because the first cast was really good. That was the best part of those movies. And then we thought, oh, Rise of the Silver Surfer was horrible. It can't get worse than that. And then they showed us, yes, it can. So the good news with Marvel for this is that I think they have simultaneously a very high bar that's set and a very low bar that's set because we haven't had a really good Fantastic Four movie yet. And so anything is going to be better than the last film that was put out. But at the same time, people are so stoked that Marvel and Disney have the rights that so many people are going to put so much into it that I wonder if it's going to be one of those situations where it's no win. But we will see when this movie finally comes out. Next up, oh no, actually, we'll talk about that when we talk about uh, Justice League. My future friends, this story from IndieWire talks about that old movie, if you remember it, Mrs. Doubtfire. The director, Chris Columbus, has talked about rumors that there's an NC-17 cut, but he says there is no NC-17 cut, that it was a joke he made that people took seriously, but there is a rated R cut. And he, in fact, says there are multiple cuts of this movie because part of the deal he made with Robin Williams when they were filming it is that Chris Columbus would get two or three takes and then Robin would do whatever he wanted. And as you can imagine, especially if you've ever seen his stand-up, it could get pretty raunchy. Will we ever see a Chris Columbus cut of Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, probably not. Will we ever see some of these deleted scenes? Maybe. Who knows? Or not deleted scenes, just takes that never made it into the final cut. This next story comes to us from T3. Disney Plus is slated to recast Luke Skywalker in a new Star Wars show. But remember, my friends, just because there are no more Skywalker Star Wars movies coming out doesn't mean they're going to leave the Skywalker saga alone. They are going to play with that until there's nothing left, until they squeeze that last bit of blood from that stone. Well, they want to recast Luke Skywalker because guess what? Mark Hamill isn't young anymore. And as a lot of people online have already pointed out, actor Sebastian Stan, who's currently playing the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky Barnes in The Falcon and Winter Soldier, looks a lot like a young Mark Hamill. So he is currently in talks, and he's more than just in talks. Disney has their eyes on him for Luke Skywalker. But there's also rumblings that it could be someone else, that we may see different versions or different people playing Luke Skywalker in different projects. In a story from Cinema Blend, we now know that Chiwetel Ejiofor, who played Mordo in Doctor Strange, is set to reprise his role in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this has actually been confirmed, not just a rumor, because in an interview he said, I'm in London. I'm shooting Doctor Strange. It's very exciting, and I'm so looking forward to that. I'm in an undisclosed location at the moment. That sounds like a very rehearsed answer, but... I'm just glad that we got confirmation because I do love Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think he's an amazing actor and more of him is just better. We have another story from Cinema Blend up next. This comes from Disney CEO about the release for Black Widow and whether or not it could go to Disney+. Plus. Disney CEO Bob Chapek has uh, been really honest. He says... 
Flexibility is something that we've been working against, and our situation and our conditions change. I mean, just a few weeks ago, theaters in New York and Los Angeles weren't even open, and now all of a sudden they're open. So we're waiting to see exactly how guests respond, prospective theater goers respond to these reopenings. And we're going to remain flexible. We're going to make the call essentially probably at the last minute in terms of how these films come to market, whether it's Black Widow or any other title. And I'm glad. I'm glad he released that statement because he was honest. He told us, look, we don't know. It could come straight to Disney Plus. It could go to Disney Plus with Premier Access and theaters. It could just be theaters. And then after the theater run, come to Disney Plus just because the future is so unknown, because more and more places are opening up, and for some places it's staying okay, but in other places we are seeing spikes. And in other places we're not seeing them yet, but there's a risk of it. There's there's just too much going on, which is also a big reason that even though more and more places are opening up, I don't want to talk about what's coming out in theaters yet. My local Regal Theater closed down and it's being it was purchased that space was purchased and opened up by another company and it's going to be opening with limited seating capacity of course and even when it does i i think we'll still wait even though i could see godzilla versus kong on the big screen even though i could see mortal Kombat on the big screen i don't know if it's worth it i, I don't know if any movie is worth it If Ghostbusters came out tomorrow, and I think I've said this already, if Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out tomorrow and I could go see it in a theater, I might say no. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. If you've heard rumors that Chris Evans is returning as Captain America, the head of the MCU himself, head of Marvel Kevin Feige, Feige or Feige, however the hell you say it, says that I rarely answer no to anything anymore because things are always surprising me with what happens. But that rumor, I think, was dispelled rather quickly by the man himself. In that, he's referring to a a tweet that Evans said, referring to news that he's coming back, and he says, news to me. So no, Chris Evans is not coming back as Captain America. This next story, my friends, comes to us from Slash Film. John Wick 4 and 5 will not be written by franchise architect Derek Kolstad. He has been the screenwriter of the first three John Wick movies, and apparently it was Lionsgate's decision not to bring him back for 4 and 5. He says, no, it wasn't my decision, but when you think about the contracts of these things, the third one, I shared the credit with any number of people. They didn't have to come back to me, and so they didn't. He goes on to say, and I paraphrase, I would have been hurt if this was 20 years ago. And then he says, yes, it is personal, but John Wick is personal to him. So he's never going to talk about John Wick. He wants it to uh, survive and thrive. And look, it's very early to talk about John Wick 4 and 5 or the spinoff TV series, The Continental or the spinoff movie uh, Ballerina, which is the Continental is going to be tied to the Continental, of course, the uh, the hotel in John Wick, and Ballerina is going to follow a different assassin who apparently is going to hunt down the people who killed her her parents or something. Derek Kolstad did say that there will be some pretty large announcements in the next couple weeks regarding Ballerina and the Continental, so you'll hear about that later on this show, you know, unless I miss the story, and if I do, hey, tell me, tell me that I missed it. But like I said, it is still early to be talking about the two movies, but... I do think 
unless they really hated what they thought Derek Colsett's plan was for the series, I think getting rid of the person who created it for the final two movies is a stupid decision. And that ties in perfectly to an article I'm going to talk about in the main part of the show. It talks about who the DCEU's biggest enemy is, and they say it's actually not Marvel. This next story comes to us from Deadline. Warner Brothers in DC has tapped the woman behind the movie Promising Young Woman to write the movie Zatanna. As we learned last week, I believe it was last week, that Zatanna is getting a movie and Batgirl is getting a TV show. Well, we now know who's writing the Zatanna movie. So at least there's hope this script will be good. And my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. And we'll be right back with the trailer trove. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, we are back, and it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my friends, not too much in the trailer trove this week. Uh, without doing more research, I only have two. And one of them's another trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. And I'm torn. I'm really torn on these trailers because every week more of them come out. I think there were two this week. I'm only going to talk about... Well, I'm not really going to discuss it. Uh, hear me out. Because they all have subtitles. This one's called Godzilla vs. Kong Salvation. And... I'm kind of torn on them because I like it and I don't. I like the fact that they're not spoiling more of the movie because all of these trailers are just the same rehashed scenes with one or two new things spliced in. But also, like I've said before, I don't like that because it gets me excited. I watch this trailer and it's 90% stuff we've seen before just cut in a different way. And do you remember that old show Dinosaurs? And there was an episode where the grandma was watching what was an unsolved mystery spoof and she meets the she meets the head guy and she says how do you do it how do you keep up coming up with these episodes he says well we only have three stories we just play them in a different order each week and she's like oh i get it that's what it feels like with these trailers but i also like it like i said because it's not spoiling too much and so it it will still keep the movie interesting when it finally comes out but also i don't like it because it's just the same rehashed stuff but also I don't like it because it's just the same rehashed stuff. Though in this trailer, I think they give something away. And if you don't want any spoilers, skip ahead like five, ten seconds. So at the end of this trailer, we see Godzilla looks like he's on the ground. and We get a close up of his eye. And in that, we see a reflection of something coming towards him that looks like Mecha Godzilla. So we've heard rumblings about this from a lot of people because a lot of people claiming they spot things in the trailer. But this is the first Really good evidence that that's how it is going. And my future friends, the second and hopefully not final trailer, but what could be the final trailer, is the second trailer for Cruella. That's Disney's Cruella, a Disney's answer to Joker, starring Emma Stone as a young Cruella de Vil, telling the story of how she came 
to be the Corella we know from 101 Dalmatians. We know the cast thus far, people like Emma Stone, Mark Strong, Emma Thompson, Emily Beecham, and we know that it has a release date of May 28th. It should be coming straight to Disney+. Plus. There haven't been any rumblings about it coming only with Premiere Access, so hopefully we can watch this all right away, and I can talk about it on the show right away. But this new trailer really focuses on Cruella as a fashion designer, because you remember in the original 101 Dalmatians, that's why she wanted to capture, kill, and skin the Dalmatians, was to make a coat, because she is a fashion designer. We also see that she does meet her two henchmen that she had in the movie. We see her with different color hair, and then she goes with her iconic black and white hair, and... This has a lot of promise. It could be really, really good, and it could just be a swing and a miss. Unfortunately, Disney hires someone we haven't talked about before, or we haven't talked about in a while, I mean to say. Disney hires Trailer Guy. That's right, Trailer Guy. The magical human being who can make any shitty movie look amazing and make a great movie look even better and get you stoked and pumped. Trailer Guy, invented by the Watch Your Mouth podcast, or maybe they found him. Maybe maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe, just maybe, he really exists, and they're the ones to uncover it. Who knows? Last time they talked about him on the Watch Your Mouth podcast, they tried to give me credit. But uh, uh, you know what? If they do that one more time, I'll just take credit. I will. I tried. I tried to be good, guys. You know me. I did actually find a trailer. Another trailer to talk about, and my question is, would I ever have talked about this if I didn't only have two trailers this week? Um, you know Oscar bait is a thing, right? You know Oscar bait season is a thing? These are movies that come out in late winter, early spring, uh, just because it's closer to award season, so the voting people will remember it more if they see it, and this looks like Oscar bait that just couldn't get released in time. And I feel bad saying this because it's apparently based on a true story. So this is apparently based on a true story based on a New York Times article. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Well, an article from 2016 by a woman named Amanda Wendler who wrote an article about trying to maintain her sobriety. Uh, This movie is about a mother that helps her daughter work through four crucial days of recovery from substance abuse. Why four days, you may ask? Well, I'm not sure how true this is, and I'm guessing it has to be true if they're going to claim it's based on a true story, that I guess there's a shot you can get if you're addicted to opioids where it prevents you from getting high. But you have to be clean for four days before you get that shot. So this is about this addict trying to make it four days and her mother that's at her wit's end. So I do feel bad saying this about a true story. But it does feel like Oscar bait, because even though it's an important story to tell, we need to realize addiction is an illness. We have to realize that there is an opioid epidemic. This seems like the type of movie that's made to hit you right in the feels and try to get awards season attention. This stars Glenn Close as the mom, Mila Kunis as the drug addicted daughter, Molly, Stephen Root as the stepfather. And I think that watching so many movies has made me a cynical person just because I look at this movie coming out, a true story about one woman's addiction, and I'm like, oh, yep, Oscar (laughs) bait. 
No, it has to be Oscar bait. And God damn, I maybe I just need a hug. I don't know. But that's that's the first thing I thought, especially because when it came out, if this came out in the fall or the summer, I don't think I would have said that. But so close, like a month away from Oscars. Come on. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the movies coming out on streaming this week. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with the movies, like I said, coming out on streaming and only streaming this week. Most of them are video on demand. We have one HBO Max, one Netflix. Oh, two HBO Max, one Netflix, and maybe a Prime? Eh, We'll discuss that when the time comes. First off, we have to talk about a movie called The Vault. Thom, because I refuse to to say T-H-O-M spells Tom because th is a sound. Thom is a genius engineering graduate and is interested in the Bank of Spain safe. The building is more than 100 years old with no blueprints available. And I don't want to read the whole thing. It's a long premise. Basically, he gets obsessed with, um, with breaking into it. He gets people to help him. This stars Famke Jensen from X-Men, Freddie Highmore from Bates Motel, Astrid Burgess Frisbee, I think is Frisbee or Frisbee from King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones, and Sam Riley from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And, um, eh, basic in every way possible. Next up, we have a film called The Toll. A socially awkward driver and a weary passenger try to make it to their destination while being haunted by a supernatural threat. This stars Jordan Hayes from Helix and Max Toplin from Suits. So, you know, I normally put all the movies in order from least interesting to most interesting. Uh, This week, I decided to switch it up because I'm a lazy piece of shit. So I didn't move uh, move the movies around. So this one actually looks pretty good. This seems really does seem like a movie they could have easily filmed during COVID. Of course, COVID's still going on, you know, but easily filmed during the early days of COVID just because it's mainly this woman and this guy in a car. There are a few other people, but it seems pretty social distanced. And if it was filmed during COVID, it's a very interesting way of doing it. This looks like a an interesting horror movie. These two people are trying to get out of this area because this we have this Lyft or Uber or whatever driver taking her to her destination. And on the way, shit gets weird because the destination takes them through this place that's haunted by this guy called the Toll Man. And basically, the toll is death. Yay for that. That's coming out on Video On Demand this week. Also on Video On Demand this week, The Seventh Day, another interesting looking horror movie. A renowned exorcist who teams up with a rookie priest for his first day of training. As they plunge deeper into hell on earth, the lines between good and evil blur and their own demons emerge. This stars Guy Pierce from Memento, 
Keith David from The Thing, and Stephen Lang from Don't Breathe. So for this film, just imagine if Training Day, instead of cops, they were priests. And that's kind of the feel I'm getting from this film. Very interesting, totally not bad. Next up, we have a film coming out on HBO Max. This is a documentary called Tina. This is about Tina from Bob's Burgers. I'm kidding. This is exclusive access to the Grammy Award-winning artist Tina Turner to celebrate her career. Thus, this is a documentary about Tina Turner. Duh. And I'm already down. Uh, I love Tina Turner. This sounds interesting. Easy sell. Next up, we have a Netflix film called A Week Away. Nowhere left to go, Will Hawkins finds himself at camp for the first time. His instinct is to run, but he finds a friend, a father figure, and even a girl who awakens his heart. Most of all, he finally finds a home. This seems like a very heavily Christian-themed musical starring Kevin Quinn from Bunked, Bailey Madsen from Good Witch, David Cockner from Anchorman, Sherry Shepard from 30 Rock, and Ed Emetrudo from Nashville. Next up, we have one called Shoppers of the World, coming to VOD, 1987, Denver, Colorado. One cry, crazy. One crazy night in the life of four friends who are reeling from the sudden demise of the iconic British band The Smiths, while the local airwaves are hijacked at gunpoint by an impassioned Smiths fan. This stars Helena Howard from The Wilds, Elena Camporis from Before I Fall, and Joe Manganiello from Justice League, and True Blood, and a lot of other things. We also have a film, also VOD, called Six Minutes to Midnight, The United Kingdom. August 15th, 1939, 17 days before World War II, an English teacher and his camera disappear on a coastal boarding school with 20 German teen girls. Miller gets the job six days later, secretly trying to find out what happens. This stars Judy Dench from Skyfall, Eddie Izzard from Mystery Men, Jim Broadbent from Moulin Rouge, and James DeArcy from Dunkirk. That looks fine. I mean, this looks like a very interesting movie if you like that kind of stuff, as in if you like movies based on historical events. Well, not really. This is actually historical fiction, but you know what I mean. It has an interesting cast, and um, this is actually written by Eddie Izzard. So that could be a selling point for you if you're a fan of Eddie Izzard. Next up, we have a movie coming to something called PVOD, which I'm still not sure what it is. So if one of you know, please let me know. From all of my Google foo, PVOD and VOD seems to be the same thing. But for some reason, the website I use to get my movies specifically said PVOD for this. Anyway, it's called The Father. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. This stars Anthony Hopkins from The Edge, Olivia Colman from The Crown, Mark Gattis from Sherlock, my favorite name Imogen Poots from Green Room, Olivia Williams from The Sixth Sense, Rufus Sewell from Dark City, and Aisha Dakar from Coronation Street. Uh, this is another Oscar Beatty film that a lot of people have been talking about because apparently Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman are fantastic. Of course, that's nothing impressive. Getting great performances from Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman is just what happens. Even though Anthony Hopkins, in a lot of movies we've seen him in recently, just kind of shows up and does talks like himself and is him, he still does good work. And this looks like one of those, but... 
obviously tearjerker Oscar bait. Next up, we have another Netflix film called Bad Trip. This is a mix of scripted buddy comedy and a hidden camera prank show that follows the outrageous misadventures of two buddies stuck in a rut who embark on a cross-country road trip to New York City. The storyline sets up shocking real pranks. This stars Eric Andre from The Eric Andre Show, Lil Rel Howery from Get Out, Tiffany Haddish from Night School, and Michaela Conlin from Bones. All right, my future friends, next up we have, well, we actually only have two movies left. And fun fact, as of recording this, one of these movies is already out, and that's the final movie of the week. And you should already know what it is, but just in case, I won't spoil it. But the next movie is a film called Nobody, which is on Prime Premium Access, I think. I think it's Premium Access, and I don't know if that means, you know, I really don't know what that means, so we will see at the end of the week. But this is about a bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men who then becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. This stars Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul, Connie Nielsen from Gladiator, Christopher Lloyd from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Michael Ironside from Top Gun, Riza from Repo Men, and Colin Salmon from Krypton. Salmon? Really? Is that really his name or did I type it in wrong? Let's see. Real time. Colin Salmon. Yeah. Wow, there he is. That's him. It could be Salmon, but that's also how you spell salmon. So it could go either way. Salmon or salmon. Like the movie Slammin' Salmon from, um, oh, oh, what are those people called? Uh, oh no, I can't remember. They did, uh, Club Dread and Super Troopers and, okay, I have to pause. Broken Lizard. I can't believe I forgot that. I found out they have a website, so I just went to it, and I was like, ooh, what are they working on now? What's the latest news? Hasn't been updated since 2018, so I, I, I don't think there's anything new from them. Uh, but yes, nobody. You may have seen the poster for this scrolling around online. I, I, I have actually seen it a bunch as an ad. It just has Bob Odenkirk being punched by in many different directions, just his face and fists hitting his face, and it just has nobody on it. And yeah, sure. Okay. I like Bob Odenkirk. I'll watch this. But Anne just uh, let me know that she thinks Prime Premium Access is where it you have to rent it on Prime. So it costs like, you know, money. I don't know what, what price, but it costs money and it, it just doesn't come with Prime. So yeah, nobody. It looks fine. It really does. It has a really good cast. And it looks like a film that you'd watch and you would enjoy, but also if you missed it, you would not mind. And my future friends, we have one more movie to talk about before we talk about the Snyder Cut, and that is the movie coming out this week. Came out uh, today, yesterday, and I'm recording this on the 22nd. Godzilla vs. Kong, the epic next chapter in the cinematic monster verse, pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against each other. Charlie Chaplin. No, I'm kidding. The fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with humanity caught in the balance. This stars and in IMDb order, because I didn't want to try and put them in order of importance. Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, Rebecca Hall from Vicky Christina Barcelona, Brian Tyree Henry from Widows, Isaac Gonzalez from Baby Driver, Julian Dennison from Deadpool 2, Lance Reddick from John Wick, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Damien Bachir from The Nun. Hakeem K. Kazim from Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Ronnie Cheng from Crazy Rich Asians. 
John Perucello, I think, from Barry, and Chris Chalk from When They See Us. Yeah, I- I'm down. You know I'm going to watch this. You already know I'm going to watch this. You already know we're going to talk about it on the show. And you know that it's going to be, at the very least, stupid fun. Because what we have here is a failure to... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. What we have here is the epitome of what normally would have been a summer blockbuster. But thanks to COVID, we might not get a summer blockbuster season, not a true one. So it's coming out now, straight to HBO Max. Also, also to some theaters. But we have this epic film that's going to be CG-heavy, action-heavy, big flashing lights, big monsters fighting, giant f***ing monsters fighting, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a quality film. Will, the, will, will there be a great story arc? Will there be character growth? Well, no, no. And you shouldn't look at a movie like this for something like that. You watch it because it's f***ing Godzilla versus f***ing King Kong. And no, they're not f***ing. That's a different movie. But Godzilla versus Kong is going to be what exactly what we want it to be. It's going to be so much fun. Reviews that are already coming in are saying that the Godzilla vs. Kong parts are dope. The uh, the parts with humans in it are just kind of seem like they're there. And, oh, okay, I'm fine with that. I do really like this cast. This is a stacked cast, but I'm not watching it for the ever-handsome Alexander Skarsgård. I'm not watching it for the ever-handsome Lance Reddick. I am watching this for Godzilla versus Kong. I am watching this to be proven right, just like everyone else, that this is Mecha Godzilla. But now I'm having another idea. I'm having another idea that I think I touched on before that maybe it is actually Godzilla going crazy, but somehow another group is behind it. They create Mecha Godzilla, and now then Kong and Godzilla have to team up against Mecha Godzilla. So yeah, that's a thought. I know I kind of already said that, but I I just like talking about this movie. It looks so good. I'm so excited for this. And this is why I love movies, because I can talk on and on about a film like this, being so excited for it, and then have a movie coming out that's the exact opposite, that is a hard-hitting drama or just a super well-acted masterpiece and be equally excited for it. Movies can deliver so much, so much. And what Godzilla vs. Kong is going to deliver to us is action, is amazing action. And from the look of the trailers, they got the CG right, so it's not going to be like a DC movie, which we'll talk about later, which kind of doesn't have it when it comes to the CG. This gets it. This movie's going to slap. Godzilla vs. Kong comes out this week. Well, my future friends, let's take another break that it is that time. And if you've been listening for a while, you know who's next. It is the Watch Mouth Podcast. The next episode of Hot, Loud, and Angry just came out. I, I got a notification for that. I've yet to listen to it, but I will. And listen to their ad and, and enjoy. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, we are back. We are back with the only movie this week, and you know what it is. You've heard about it for so long. We've been awaiting it for so long. This is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yep, Zack Snyder's Justice League. The official premise, according to IMDb, is as follows. Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Determined to ensue Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. This is directed by Zack Snyder, who saw that coming, with a story developed by Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio, and Will Beale. And the screenplay from that story was adapted by Chris Terrio. Let's see what else... Chris Terrio has done. What have you done? Uh, let's see. Argo, Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so fun films. Maybe not great films, but fun films. Because I stand by it. I'm sorry. I stand by it. I liked Rise of Skywalker. I liked Rise of Skywalker because of Adam Driver. The rest of it can go f*** itself. Adam Driver. Okay, I like Daisy Ridley too. I, I like them together. I liked their their story arc. It was amazing. It's what I wanted. But why is it when I when I say Chris Terrio's name, I want to go, oh, Chris Terrio, like Cheerio. Yes, Cheerio. What, what? Zack Snyder's Justice League, finally out. And it stars people. I'm not going to, I'm just going to say their names. You already know who's in it, but it's Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Henry Cavill's mustache, Gal Gadot, I'm kidding, Gal Gadot, the criminally underappreciated Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, I'm sorry, I almost choked when I said that, but Willem Dafoe, Jesse Eisenberg, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, Sierrin Hines, Joe Morton, David Thewlis, and Amber Heard you weren't going to be in the next movie. I'm proud of myself. I came up with that on my own. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Anne said, more like Amanda Hurt. But Oh, that's really bad. That's bad on so many levels. I love it. So, we've been waiting for this forever. We've been waiting for this film forever. Because Justice League came out, and I did like it. I liked it the first time, but as a popcorn flick, as a, just a mindless action film, because it wasn't that good, but it was fancy to watch. It was fun to watch. And I love Superman. I love the Justice League. And I think that's why I actually enjoyed the film, while other people had diarrhea in the theater because I couldn't wait to shit on it. But then we heard, we heard, wait a minute, wait a minute, that wasn't Zack Snyder's vision because instead of finishing Zack Snyder's vision, Joss Whedon came in and did his own thing. And guess what? Their styles don't match. They don't. Zack Snyder is a big fan of the slow-mo. He's a big fan of scenes like that. Joss Whedon is a big fan of abuse. So yeah, that's totally different. When Ben Affleck 
isn't the most questionable person in your movie, you have done something wrong. I'm sorry. So it was different. A lot was different, but it also wasn't different. Uh, just looking down this list of, um, of things that are different on Vulture.com, the musical score was one of them. Because uh, I, I didn't know this, but apparently the original composer was Tom Hulkenberg, a.k.a. Junkie XL. And then when Whedon came on, the, the score written by Hulkenborg was dropped and Danny Elfman was brought in. Danny Elfman does good work. I don't know why the Junkie XL composition worked so much better, but it did. Because we all like Danny Elfman. Even if you don't know you like Danny Elfman, you like Danny Elfman. This one worked better. Because apparently, when uh, Hulkenborg was brought back in, he completely tossed his old score and started from scratch. And why the movie seemed to... Okay, let me just say I liked it. I really liked it. So now that I said that, let me continue talking and saying that it flowed so much better. And the reason why is because Zack Snyder got rid of all of Joss Whedon's cuts. So that's why it didn't feel like some weird amalgamation of two people's visions because it was just 100% just Zack Snyder's vision here. And also... We get more Cyborg like we needed. We get more Flash like we needed. We get more Aquaman because Joss Whedon focused more on the main threes. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And until Superman comes back in the film, it's mainly just Batman, Wonder Woman. Which, there's there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but we have these other characters that you're kind of ignoring. And now, in this film, we actually see Darkseid. So instead of seeing Steppenwolf try and take over Earth in the beginning, it's Darkseid trying to take over Earth. We see Darkseid get his shit wrecked by the heroes of the time. And then we see Darkseid near the end again. We see Darkseid more than just his molten form that we saw in the original one. And I'm glad I'm reading this article by Vulture because there are things I didn't know. I forgot that in Joss Whedon's cut, the parademons, uh, those are Steppenwolf's flying people. Uh, they could smell fear, and apparently Zack Snyder, that was never part of his plan. <clears throat> Alright, so so this next thing that Vulture brings up. I, um, I like and I don't like. So we see Martian Manhunter, one of the most iconic of the Justice League, you know, including all the others. But we see Martian Manhunter. So we have this scene where Martha Kent goes to talk to Lois... And when Martha leaves, transforms into Martian Manhunter. Why the fuck? Did, why the fuck? Why would Martian Manhunter do that? And then also at the end of the film, when we see when we see Bruce Wayne wake up from his nightmare, his nightmare of this alternate Earth, we have Martian Manhunter come flying down, going, "Oh, by the way, I'm here. Hi. Um, I'm gonna help you guys when uh when um Darkseid comes because he's on his way." Uh, I was here the whole time. I know you're doing battle uh, with one of Darkseid's goons. I know it's a big deal, but I just thought I'd say the f*** out of that. Why? I don't know. We never learn. And I don't think we will learn. Just because we have so many reports of the Snyderverse not ever becoming a thing. Because Zack Snyder even said that, eight, that HBO, that Warner Brothers considers the original film, the original Snyder Whedon mix-up to be canon. 
So we may never know unless he comes out and say, says, why the hell Martian Manhunter didn't help out? Unless him going to talk to Lois to try and get her out of the house and thus being there when Superman goes batshit when he comes back, unless that was his way of helping, but he could have done that and, you know, help fight. Because he's Martian Manhunter. Okay, let me pause. While we were watching the film, Anne who, Anne, who has never seen Justice League, wanted me to bring, bring up things or, or point out things that were new. And it was surprisingly hard for me to do. Because here's, here's the weird thing. The story basically stays the same. The overall story of this film stayed the same. It's, the, it's just the fact that it doesn't have Joss Whedon's fingers all through it. And it flows better. And there are, like, like all of Superman's scenes, except from when he is brought back initially, all of those were new. But it still kind of happens the same. Superman still grabs Lois, still flies to Smallville, still talks to her there. Martha comes over, sees him again. He goes and talks to Alfred. Then he goes and helps fight in, um, I don't know, wherever the fuck they are. He goes and helps him fight there. So that's why it was hard for me to go, this, this is different right here. Because the same thing happened, but it just looked different. And also, I already mentioned how we get more of the other characters. But part of that is seeing how the Flash movie is going to work. Even though the future of the Snyderverse is probably never, ever going to happen. This movie introduces to us how the Flash is probably going to f*** the timeline up how they're going to introduce the DC multiverse and it introduces all of that. And it was cool. Have you guys already seen the memes? Have you already seen them of Babyface Steppenwolf and how when Steppenwolf is in his little base talking to whoever the f guy saying, I just want to come home and he gets all teary eyed. Like that broke the world's heart. People are going, oh, Steppenwolf, this guy who initially was just a pure villain who was evil for the sake of evil, now has a goal. He has a reason for doing what he's doing. He's doing what he's doing because A, his nephew Darkseid told him to, but also B, he f***ed up in the past. He is trying to make amends, and this is his way of doing it. So getting Earth and then finding the anti-life equation is going to be this. And also, yes, the anti-life equation. The anti-life equation a.k.a. probably their answer to Scarlet Witch. The whole equation has the power to dominate the will of any sentient race in addition to reality-altering powers that twist and distort freedom over life and death. So yeah, maybe we don't want Darkseid to get this. Maybe that's really bad. And what else was new? You know what else was new? The whole nightmare sequence at the end, where we see a future where Superman goes crazy because Lois has been killed and Superman joins Darkseid. And since Batman doesn't actually have any powers, I'm assuming this is another Earth. And Batman realizes he has to stop this, that Lois is the key to keep Superman. And I don't like this part. He's, it's the key to keep Superman from going crazy. Because what makes Superman great? And I've always said this and I've always loved this. What makes Superman great is the fact that he could be a god. He could rule over everyone and no one could stop him. Because remember, even though when Batman and Superman fight, Batman wins most of the time, but because Superman could easily kill him and Superman won't. Also because, you know, whoever the author wants to win will win. But also, 
Are you telling me there's no way in hell that Superman can be Batman? Like, at all? He can't pick up a building and drop it on him? Fuck no. Superman could kick Batman's ass, he just chooses not to. So we have this godlike being who is the most human person the DC Universe has. And I don't like this fact that uh, Lex Luthor, that Lois Lane dies and that causes him to snap. I don't like that because it's not who he is. And I know stuff like that has happened in the comics. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I still don't like it. But anyway, we have this whole sequence where Bruce Wayne is having a nightmare and he sees himself teamed with Mira, with the Flash, with Deathstroke, and the Joker. We saw the Joker again. We saw Jared Leto's Joker. And it was so good. This was a good Joker. This is a completely different Joker than we saw in the first Suicide Squad movie. And I'm okay with it. Because I didn't mind Jared Leto's Joker then. And I love Jared Leto's Joker now. I hope, I hope, I hope. Hope he gets the chance to do it again. I hope he gets a chance because he could do it. Because he could do what Heath Ledger did. He could do what Jack Nicholson did. He can do what Mark Hamill did. Is recreate a character and make it their own, but also true to the spirit of the Joker. All of the Jokers, all of the Jokers have been widely different. Heath Ledger's was different from all of them. Jack Nicholson's different from all of them. Mark Hamill's different from all of them. Yes, and they're all great in their own way. And Jared Leto can do that. He could take an established character, make it his own, but still keep it true to the spirit of the comic, and that's what I want to see. And come on, we all love the line he ad-libbed about giving Batman a reach-around. Come on. Come on. But the dream sequence also leads into one of my problems. So... I've gushed about this movie for a bit. I really did. Now, now let's talk about what my issues were. Here's my biggest issue with Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't mind that it was four hours and two minutes. I would have loved, I would love an ultra cut of Endgame that's that long. I would love so many movies to be that long just because I would get more of it and have a more immersive story and all of that jazz. But here is the thing. It took four hours and two minutes to tell this story. And I think if he had to cut it down to the original runtime of about two hours, I think it still would have been shit. It still, it would have been just like the Whedon version where it was fun, action packed, but not, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. It would have been lacking in so many ways because he needed these four hours. He needed this time to tell the story. Or he needed to do it in two parts. Something doesn't add up. What was Zack Snyder's original vision? Or did he scrap his original vision because he knew he was going to get more time from HBO? HBO I keep on saying that. Because he knew he was going to get more time from Warner Brothers. And so he, was, he could do more. So if he comes out and says that, then I'm 100% okay. Then this whole issue I have is gone. It is 100% gone. But if he doesn't come out and say that, then my issue is that it was never going to be a good and complete movie. It was going to be fun and enjoyable at the absolute most, but the rest of the quality was going to come down and hit rock bottom. So we know 
that Zack Snyder had to step away from the original film because his daughter died. I can't even imagine that pain. I can't imagine even imagine attempting or even considering working through that pain. So I do not fault him for, for walking away. And I don't think anyone short of a monster would fault him for walking away for that. But if if that never happened, if he got to make his movie, regardless of what it came out like, regardless if it was a good film when it came out, or my fear that it still would have been a mess, what was the vision for the future? Because we have so many things they're building up to. We have so many things. Was it really going to be... Okay, was it going to be an Avengers-like story arc where you get a bunch of movies telling this huge, whole huge story? Because that's the only way it could have worked out is if you had all of, all of the individual movies and the movies coming together, all of them telling this one congruent story because we have Darkseid coming, because we have the Legion of Doom hinted at at the end of or near the end of the film, when we have Lex Luthor having escaped from Arkham, we have Deathstroke coming to find him, and he says he wants to get a group together that's 100% the Legion of Doom, so we have Darkseid, we have the Legion of Doom, we have Flash, we have Flash, who has hinted in this film, or they have hinted in this film, that if he goes too fast, he'll f*** with time, so we know they're going to have to do that, we know that some sort of Flashpoint-esque storyline was going to be part of the Flash even before more details of the movie were even thought of by Warner Brothers. We we have so much going on that how insanely big was this going to be? Or did Warner Brothers never plan on going through with Zack Snyder's vision and basically they're going to just do their own thing after? Because I don't trust Warner Brothers. I don't. And I did mention a story that I didn't talk about in the news I was going to talk about now. And I'm just going to briefly mention it. The story says that this cut, the Snyder cut, proved that the biggest the, the biggest villain, basically, for the DCEU isn't Marvel. It's Warner Brothers. Because they can't help but with stuff. They can't help but put their fingers all throughout it and mess things up. Out of the two, Disney, f***ing Disney, are the people who can step back enough to let brilliance work. They're the ones who can keep their hands out of the pie long enough for it to become a good pie. Disney can do that. But Warner Brothers can't fucking do that. They hire these directors and they go, hey, director, you have a vision, right? Okay, what's your vision? Oh, that's great. How about we do it our way anyway? F*** your vision. I don't think this was ever going to be good. Even if even if Zack Snyder never had to leave, even if nothing ever happened to his daughter, it was never going to be good. Never. Because, because Warner Brothers was never going to leave it alone. It was just a scab they are going to pick at this whole time. The scab was doing its job. It was doing good work. It was healing. You know, it, it was working on a bigger picture. But they're just like, nope, I got to pick at this. I got to fuck with it. The DCEU never had a chance. And I say that as a fan of Batman and Superman, Dawn of Justice. I say that as a fan of the Wonder Woman movies. I say that as a fan of Man of Steel, which I am on a very short list of Man of Steel fans because I can like it even though it has amazing amount of problems for Superman's character. But the DCEU never stood a chance because 
Disney lets Marvel do their thing. Yes, they have certain rules that you have to follow with Disney, and that's fine. That's great. Whatever. But they let their people do their thing. Warner Brothers can't do that and they don't get it they see marvel running circles around them in every sense of the word except for the cartoon movies which dc has on lock and until now tv shows which dc had done better until now and they just went maybe we should should we change how we do things should we let our people the creative people we hire do their thing i know that pocket that's a terrible idea so here's the good news the snyder cut didn't feel like four hours my wife and I sat down, we watched it. It didn't feel like four hours. I mean, it sure as hell was. It was late when we ended, but it didn't feel like it. I didn't keep looking at my watch going, oh, how long, how much longer is this f-ing thing? It was really well paced. It was really well paced for a four hour movie. And that is, that is impressive. It did its job well. It told a really good story and it felt, it felt just like a better version of weird right it felt like a better version of the film that came out originally because Zack Snyder got rid of what got rid of all the shit Joss Whedon f***ed up and he just made it one cohesive thing that is the good that is the good about this we have good acting in it we have a good story we get more from Cyborg he actually has a character we get more from Flash we get we see Green Lanterns I mean not Hal Jordan Kyle Rayner uh or John Stewart, any of them, but we see Green Lanterns. That's dope. We get hints at a lot of stuff, but here's the downside. It doesn't matter. Here is the downside. It's never going to come to fruition because what is canon is not this. And it shows me that whoever is in charge of this at Warner Brothers is a huge fucking moron. It's just the biggest shithead right now in Hollywood, because you had this huge hype for the the true version of a movie that was critically and fan panned. Critics and fans didn't like it. So you had a lot of hype for it and it's come out and people are enjoying it. Not everyone loves it, but it's so much better than the first one. Critics are liking it more. Fans are liking it more. You have renewed interest in your universe and you're just saying, ah, f- it. I know we don't care. Whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, people love this. It's wonderful. People are people are are talking about it. It's getting people excited. But we're gonna do our own thing, and that's stupid. That is stupid. Whoever is behind this in Warner Brothers should get fired. Should get f-ing fired. Just like that story I mentioned every once in a while of the person behind the trailer for John Carter who sold the movie so poorly that they got fired by Disney. Whoever's behind this at Warner Brothers needs to get fired because they are doing a piss poor job. And here's the thing. If there is more to it, if there is another reason that they can't do this vision, if there is a legitimate reason, they should tell us why. They should tell us why. Because it can't be money, it can't be that too much was done on another movie, and that's already going a different way, because I would 100% guarantee you that they could just scrap all that, say goodbye to all that money, and bring this new vision to fruition, and they would just make more money because it would make something good, they would make something beautiful, they would make something wonderful. But no, that is not what they're doing. They are giving us the shaft, they're giving fans a shaft, they're giving people who love these stories the shaft, and just saying, you know what? you we're gonna do what we want even though you already hate what we're doing 
We finally let a director do their thing. We finally let a vision come to fruition and it has good results, but we're going to ignore that. We're going to ignore that. My future friends, let's wrap this up. And I know this has been a sporadic talk, but I got passionate. What can I say? This version of the Justice League is great. It's a perfect. No, it's not perfect. I still have issues with it, but it was fun. It was so much more fun than the original. And I liked the original. I liked it. You know this, you've heard me talk about it, but this version was better. This version was super fun. This version was a version I will remember. Will I ever watch the other version again? I honestly don't know. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because we have this one, but it doesn't matter. It only matters because you want to watch what could have been. You want to watch a moment of brilliance from a studio that doesn't deliver on that brilliance often. You watch it because you love the content. You watch it because you love the comics. You watch it just to have fun. And then you get disappointed just like I did because it doesn't matter. Zack Snyder's Justice League gets a 9 out of 11. Wow. All right. This may be the longest episode in a while. I I, I knew I was going to talk a lot about this, which is why I didn't do two movies, but f- I didn't think I was going to talk that long. All right. Well, if you're a fan of the shorter episodes, I'm sorry. Uh, This was never going to be one of those episodes. So let us step right in to the question of the week. And I'll tell you what movies we're watching for next week. All right. It's time for the question of the week. And if you do not remember, the question from last week was, what is your least favorite biopic? Yeah, this is coming hot off the heels of your favorite performance in a biopic. Our first answer comes to us from Brian Q. He says, Lincoln. I then uh, told him I've never actually watched Lincoln. He said, don't bother. At no point does he ever hunt vampires, which, let's be honest, is a key part of Lincoln's legacy. Uh, But he goes on to say, seriously, it was such torture to watch that I was rooting for Booth, but I'm not sure that is how it ended. It's a type of movie that makes waterboarding seem like lesser torture. So here's my history with Lincoln. I own it. I do. It's on my shelf right there. I've never watched it. Because I was certain it's one of those films I would like. But now Brian Q speaks up, says, hey, no, maybe you won't. And I'm now thinking it might make me want to watch it more just because of what a train wreck I could possibly watch. And that could be very interesting. And we thank you very much for that answer. Our next answer goes to this very house and who says the bell jar, the bell jar hasn't come out yet, has no set release date, but she is so angry because it's one of her favorite books written by Sylvia Plath, and they chose Dakota Fanning to um, to play her. <laughs> Beljar is in this weird place where it's a written as a fiction book, but it is, is about Sylvia Plath's life and her own battle with mental illness. When I was younger, I was very impressed with uh, Dakota Fanning, and now that I'm older and I see what she continually puts out, and her sister, uh, I'm not fans of either of the Fanning sisters, which is why it makes me so, so angry that they were cast as the two French sisters in The Nightingale. Uh, Nightingale expected to come out December 23rd this year. Expected. It's based on a book by Kristen Hanna, and it's fantastic. It's a historical fiction book based around two sisters living in France during World War II when France is occupied. And the and the the um basically the struggle both of them have. One of them is a fighter against uh, against the Nazis, like she helps people and smuggle Jews out of the area. 
And the other sister focuses more on her family, but she's also kind of doing her part, you know, by staying together, by not letting the Nazis defeat their spirit. The people behind the film have chosen the Fanning sisters for this, and I think that's a terrible idea. Elle Fanning can't act. And if she can, we have not seen it yet. Because all of the roles she has picked, she just plays some version of Kristen Stewart in the Twilight movies, but on sedatives. So I understand my wife's uh, anger with Dakota Fanning being cast in one of her favorite books. And as for my answer, it's going to be, it might be a little surprising to you because I think I spoke well of this movie when I watched it and I talked about it on the show. But the more I thought about it, the more I was angry about A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I was angry because of the trailers. The trailers set you up for a more Mr. Rogers heavy movie. I mean, we do know, we knew about this going in, that it was really going to be about uh, Lloyd Vogel, this guy who interviews Fred Rogers and Fred Rogers changes his life. But it, it got me so hyped for seeing Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers that I was just let down. And speaking of Tom Hanks, so Tom Hanks was great in Will You Be My Neighbor? He, he really was. Another movie that I liked Tom Hanks in, I actually liked all of the performances in, was Saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks was about author P.L. Travers, who reflects on her childhood after reluctantly meeting with Walt Disney, who seeks to adapt her book Mary Poppins for the big screen. Everyone in the film did a really good job, but it kind of had this My Fair Lady-esque ending to me, and I know My Fair Lady is classic cinema, but the ending... Or the original Sabrina. So I lump all these together where we have this very negative character, this character who well, kind of sucks. Let's be honest. P.L. Uh, Travers in this uh, in this movie and apparently in real life kind of sucked. But I get it. You know, she wrote this. She wrote this book. She wrote this character. Uh, it was very important to her. And Disney wanted to change it. OK, that's fine. But in the movie, she just comes across as awful. But why I compare it to My Fair Lady and the original Sabrina is because at the end of both of those movies, if you remember with My Fair Lady, has Eliza, Eliza Doolittle, running off because of how she's treated by, by Rex Harrison. And then she kind of has this, she kind of comes around and he, she just goes back to him, and he doesn't even acknowledge that he was a dick to her. Nothing. They just kind of go right back into what they had. At the end of Sabrina, we had Sabrina, played by Audrey, uh, Audrey Hepburn, and we just had Humphrey Bogart, who realizes he's kind of being a dick this whole time, goes and finds her, and they just kind of go, okay, well, let's just not mention what happened. And we'll move on with it. And that's kind of what we get in Saving Mr. Banks. And I, I love the original Sabrina. Audrey Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, William Holden. Fantastic. I think, I think the remake of Sabrina from the 90s with Harrison Ford, Greg Kinnear, and Julia Ormond, I think that was a better movie. But if you think about it, biopics have an inherent problem because they're trying to tell this big story and they have very little time to do it. And I think that's where we really saw Bohemian Rhapsody fail because I believe it was Brian Q that said it was Rami Malek's prosthesis that won the award or that won won awards for him. 
And I see what he means. It wasn't a very good movie. It was very, it had had very bad pacing issues. And the only good thing about it was the fact that Rami Malek kind of sounded like Freddie Mercury. And so we could listen to these songs we like. So it is time for a question for next week. And in the vein of the movies we're watching, here's my question. And have fun with this. Come on, have fun with these. Who would you like to see fight Godzilla and Kong? And it could be anyone. Have fun. Be ridiculous. Say you want to watch your mama fight them. Have fun. Well, let's talk about the movies for next week. And they are as follows. Hey, Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out on HBO Max, which is a streaming service, on Wednesday the 31st. So I talked about it on this show. And I just read that the date had changed. And I did not know that. So it's coming out next week on Wednesday. So I'm going to record a bunch of the show early, except for my talk about this, and then record it directly after we're done watching the movie. So next week's episode may come out Friday or Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry about that. So we're going to talk about leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong. We're going to talk about Godzilla. We're going to talk about Kong Skull Island. We're going to talk about Godzilla King of Monsters. And then uh, just briefly, not a, it's not going to be a super huge episode like this one. Uh, But we're going to talk about those briefly, and then we're going to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong. So that is movie for next week. So my future friends, without further ado, let us jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast, share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, My future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.